Welcome, everybody, to episode number 55 of the Roses and Rhetoric Podcast. Joining me, as always, my charming co-host, Joseph Stanford. And joining us by way of Zoom, a musical guest, Luca James. Luca, thank you also for being here. Thank you so much. So we're actually going to talk with Luca about uh, his new hit single that came out fairly recently, Hazy Dreams. Before doing that, we're going to spend a little bit of time getting to know the author themselves. Uh, Luca, tell us a little bit about yourself and about your background. Yeah, um, I grew up in New York City, Greenwich Village, uh, around a lot of amazing artists, poets, just riding my scooter around the city blocks. Um, What kind of scooter? I had a razor scooter. All right, good. We can continue the show. Was there other were there other options at that point? I don't not, know. Not like for this show. Old, you know? Yeah, I wasn't like Google yeah. got Amazon looking for like product reviews of scooters. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I grew up in New York. Uh, still live here mostly. Um, I list grew up listening to a lot of strong vocalists. Uh, you know, my dad didn't have a lot of range in the car it was mostly like steve winwood traffic greatest hits um a lot of jim morrison the doors and uh and then i listened to a lot of radiohead i don't know like i like i i almost had like a pavlovian dog conditioning of radiohead it's like so i mean a lot of people i think i went to radiohead concerts and like i look at other people and they're just like singing along as if they're also brainwashed and it's just like I don't think they realize they're at a, a concert. They're just like reliving like whatever weird stuff they went through in childhood. Um, but that's, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where we're going with this, but um, I like it. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I, I do, I'm doing full-time music now. I also teach the way I got into music was um, facilitating and hosting and teaching vocal workshops Um vocal slash creative workshops. I'm a big believer in like trying to find ways to get over writer's block and uh, like whatever inhibitions you have not feeling enough or worthy in life and like trying to ease people into like finding their self-worth, finding a love for the creative path, finding like flow in their artistry. Um, And like, I just do that through music and um, sharing, sharing uh, circle singing and a lot of techniques um, from Bobby McFerrin and a lot of other amazing singers. Um, so that's kind of what I'm about. And yeah, now the music career has just been really taking off and, uh, it's, it's a fun roller coaster. Great. Um, Luca, another question, um, where are you broadcasting from today? I know that I'm here in Tucson, Arizona and Jimmy's in Houston, Texas. It's always good to know where we're talking from. I, I am, wait, you're from Tucson and the other is from Texas? Yeah, I'm in Tucson. Yeah, amazing. You're really embodying the Tucson. Like I was going to say, like you have this like the pa- color palette, you know, like the pinks and the orange. You're just like full Tucson vibes right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, Tucson, Tucson is for sure a vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm from, I'm in Brooklyn, New York right now. Bed-Stuy, do or die, as Spike Lee likes to say. Okay, cool. East Coast. <laughs> East Coast, yeah. I'm, you know, yeah. I'm like a couple blocks away from uh, Notorious B.I.G. and Jay-Z. Most deaf, a lot of really big, big rappers came from this area. Yeah, it seems, uh, it seems like you do a lot of uh, traveling just following your Instagram. You know, I see you're, you were in the uh, Olympics up in Washington not too long ago. I see tags from LA, looks like you've been in Mexico. Um, do you think that traveling has some impact on your music or does it influence it in some way? Do they tie together at all? 
Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. I've been so blessed to be able to travel, and actually, yeah, I, I mean, during the during the pandemic, I really wanted to, um, I really wanted to get involved with the election and just like grassroots campaigning, getting people like registered. So that's why I left New York City and I just hopped in a car and drove across the country trying to engage people. I played a lot of concerts and outdoor shows to try to drive voter turnout, um, start political discourse be between both sides, just using music as a way to like leverage um, enthusiasm, to increase enthusiasm. So that's kind of where the travels start. But then also like I'm a huge nature enthusiast. Um, I was able to go to the Olympics, um, a lot of like Big Sur, California. Um, I just love this country so much. I grew up, I was very sheltered growing up in New York City. I like didn't really know green space till I was like 20 years old almost. Um, and ever since I found it, I'm just like obsessed with it. And um, it's really big in the music because nature is my, like I have a lot of introspection and uh, rumination and self-doubt and things that a lot of us experience. And time and time again, I, I turn to nature to help alleviate that, that stress. Um, and like to help humble my ego so that I'm not like so obsessed with my own narrative. Mm. And when you use the term green space, is that, is that a reference for like nature in general or something more specifically? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what you guys experience, but the whole word nature is like, it is, it's a polemical word in some sense, because the, I, I would always say like, Oh, we have to leave the city and get into nature. And then like a lot of people be like, we are nature, you know? And I'm like, okay, like, I don't know what word to use anymore. You know, like, um, I don't know. That's a very, it's a very New York thing. You know, like I, it's, people are like, no, we are nature. The city is also nature. So I'm like, green space. Well, where can I go to the bathroom? Uh, yeah, that's what yeah, I, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Um, talk, talk a little more about, about I, I didn't know anything about, about this thing that you're involved in these, uh, music circles and kind of using, you know, music to overcome writer's block. Joe and I have both done some writing as a part of, of this show's effort. And I'm just curious if you could talk a little bit about that, about writer's block and about strategies you employ for overcoming. I, I think this is really interesting that you use music to do that or as a part of that right. process. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, with the voice, like so much of the writer's block is the, you know, like the throat shock or like a lot of people have trauma or, tension from growing up being told like you're not a singer or like you're not an artist or you're you're this and so a lot of people like before they even try to do music are, are like i i'm out of i'm out of like the key I, i'm like tone deaf all this stuff and it surprises me because like singing is so innate to being a human i think and uh the same way that movement and dance is like very tribal and uh it makes me sad when people think that like oh, I'm, I, I could never do American Idol. Like, you know, it's like, you don't have to do American Idol. Like, you can still sing, you know? Like, you don't have to be Mariah Carey. Like, you could still, like, harmonize or create percussion or rhythm or, like, you know, like, you can just sing what I'm singing and then the two of our voices, because we have different timbres, is, like, an interesting note. And uh, that's what I'm, like, so that's the music part of it. Like, everyone could be a musician. Everyone could be a dancer. You know, like, anyone could be a writer. It's, it's stuff that's intrinsic to being human. And I, I don't want us to, like, lose that. Um, and also, yeah, and so I do also use voice to help people get out of their, you know, like the biggest obstacle for a lot of people is themselves. And I, I think like, I just want to give people that nudge. And with our vocal workshops, a lot of people are like petrified of singing. They like won't even sing in the shower um, and they show up. I like convince them somehow to show up. It's a very like warm, uh, loving group. And uh, it's just about like, 
realizing like no one's perfect at first you know your podcast probably the first one was awkward and you're like what are we doing how dare you all right this show is over (laughs) no you're absolutely right about podcast number one was awkward (laughs) i went back and watched it it was (laughs) podcast two got better and now you're at your best one which is today all right the first 52 were probably awkward (laughs) yeah until today yeah, right, right. Well, I, I, I think this is really something that ties in very nicely with uh, this uh, thing that Joe and I have been talking about a lot, which is just kind of how creativity is so innate to being a person. And of course, you know, creativity mm. and artwork, you know, go hand in hand. I mean, they're almost maybe even in some sense, the, the same thing, I'm not very similar. So I, I'm, I'm all about exploring ways of getting people to be creative into it, you know, basically just explore things whether it be a new talent like singing or a new idea through singing or through writing or whatever and maybe i think that that's really great that you're getting people to actively you know challenge themselves in those realms i think that's a, a real key to human progress 100 100 percent. yeah and and luca just to add to that um funny enough i was listening to a podcast with mike tyson the other day and he had a, a quote on creativity that i thought was really interesting i wrote it down he said that uh, being creative is not having conflict with yourself. And that really stood out to me because I think that that act of going through and removing conflict from yourself really does open creativity. Cause like, if you're someone who's like stressed out, you got a lot of like baggage in your mind, a lot going on, like you don't really have any bandwidth for creativity. So like you said, maybe something like using music or, going out into nature or other right. things like that can really just help to, to unleash those blocks. So I think it's great, great that you mentioned that. I, I never knew I would be in awe of Mike Tyson's perspective on creativity, but I am, you know, it's, it's true. And it's like, yeah, it's just about putting, it's like learning how to ride a bike. You know, you're not going to be the best cyclist at first, but it's just like not having that fear to just go for it, you know, and realize like, you're only going to get better by practicing and doing it. Um, so yeah, hundred percent. And that's another question I had is um, just from following you on Instagram and whatnot, it seems like you're not someone, it seems like you're somebody that seems to be uh, maybe immune to uh, people's opinions of them, or maybe like embarrassment more overall, like you're just not afraid to go out and just start singing in the middle of a square, for example, or in the middle of public. Whoa, 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 whoa. Are you, are you saying I'm are you saying I'm not good? You say, no, it's good. Um <laughs> no, I mean the fear, amazing, but the fear the fear that, is real. The fear quality. is real. The fear is real always, you know. I have so much fear and it's like I think there's that Henry Fonda quote where people are like, How do you get over, you know, like how are you so brave on the stage? And he's like, Actually, I throw up before every performance, you know, and this is like one of the biggest like theater stars and and I think the fear never goes away. If the fear goes away, then you're not really pushing yourself and you're not challenging yourself. The fear for me, when I do stuff, yeah, I try to sing in the middle. I'd like busk or sing in the middle of something or, you know, if I'm feeling terrible, I'll still try to like sing and just like be awkward. And and um, the queasiness, the fear, the doubts, all that is there. And that's why I try to do it, you know, and it's just kind of like dancing with fear. Well, and I think it's very much a, a sign, the, the uncomfortableness, that feeling is very much an indication that you're on the, the frontier of something, that you're discovering something right. about yourself. There's that sense of the unknown when you're performing. How will this turn out? What am I going to do? That sense of discovery, if you're feeling uncomfortable, it means that you know, you're really 
on the verge of something. Otherwise, if it feels comfortable, then you've been there before. You're no longer, you know, right. creating something new. Exactly. Exactly. And also, like, I want people to see the accessibility. Like, again, my whole motto is trying to get more people to be creative. I don't want people to be like, come to me at Lincoln Center and be a, a show of mine and be like, wow, here's a, you know, like exquisite, like, perfect, you know, like, no, like, I'd rather people see me and be like, he's a fool, you know, like, <laughs> like, he's crazy. Well, that's like, been our motto for the past 50 yeah. episodes. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's like, I want people not to be in like awe of me. I want them to be inspired and maybe they'll respect my craft or the effort I'm putting into it. But most of if they, I rather them go home and do it themselves rather than be like, wow, music is like, they're like untouchable, you know? So that's a lot of the, what I try to bring to music for sure. A playfulness. Yeah. It seems like a lot of people just have this shell that they, I don't know if it's a self-imposed shell or if it's something that society puts on them. But um, I mean, what, do you see any like common traps that people just fall into over and over that kind of disengage them from their, their true selves and creativity? Yeah, I mean, I'm falling into one right now. You know, it's, um, I think the, the biggest common trap is like, uh, well, compare and despair. So like, especially with social media right now or, or the Theodore Roosevelt quote, like comparison is the thief of joy. I also think comparison is the thief of creative breakthrough. Um, with social media, it's so easy to like, before you even put pen to paper to like see someone else putting pen to paper and be like, oh, like, no, they, they, they're more deserving than me or like they're, they're better, you know, um, especially since we're all competing for eyeballs and attention, or at least that's the illusion they've created. Um, so that's the first thing, you know, Bobby McFerrin, I think it was like 10 years where he didn't listen to another singer because he just was like, I don't want to. I don't want to steal someone else's style, but also like I want to develop my own sound. And I don't think we have the luxury of that so much in today's age. You know, it's like every time I put out a song or anything, I have like a beautiful recording session and then I go on Instagram or anything for one second. And it's just like someone blowing me, you know, they're like, whoa, actually, that's like really good. You know, um, so I think that's something to be really careful of is like always comparing ourselves um, and then, yeah, it's like the, the Mike Tyson quote is just, uh, uh, I think, uh, the imposter syndrome and uh, feeling like, you know, this like little voice in your head that's just like, oh, you, you sounded really bad today. You know, like I could have like, I could play a concert and have like 90% of people clap. And then one person is just like kind of bored. And then that one person lives right. in my mind forever, you know? And, yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, what you like, what, what it was that note that I missed, right? Yeah. It was that note. Ah, I'm terrible at that. You know? And it's just like, no one else is paying attention to it. Um, I don't know why, I don't know what evolutionary benefit it is to have that like mental rumination, right. um, <laughs> but it exists. And that that's part of circumventing the ego to uh, ascend past that doubt and that inhibition yeah maybe it's some form of uh, evolutionary baggage rather than a function right uh, yeah, yeah like, so weigh, weigh us down more than anything <laughs> it's like can i actually tackle that woolly mammoth and cut its throat and then feed the whole village or should i probably like get other people and wait a month to like you know it's like right that's yeah. where maybe it's coming from yeah, um, it's interesting you brought up social media, and this is something that I talked with one of our mutual friends, Tyler, about. Um, he's very, like, we, we talk about how social media can be that double-edged sword. Like, it can be a useful tool for promotion and marketing, getting music out there and getting, like, your message out there. 
but at the same time it can it can bring up bring on this comparison phenomenon this uh this idea that this person has what i want or these Mm. people aren't giving me the approval that i need and it can really just bring you down a hole like you said um how do you how do you manage those two extremes with your social media because it seems like you're more or less engaged with instagram and whatnot yeah it's a new thing it's a new thing my my girlfriend's like was really good at it and so i kind of learned it this last year in the pandemic because i was like not around friends and stuff so i'm like how do i share i was like just starting to release music and then i'm like wait i i only release through like live shows and stuff like i don't do the social media thing and then i was like well we might be isolated for the next 10 years so you better find a way um so i just started kind of like playing with it trying to like have fun with it and and yeah see its benefits it's it's crazy yeah like I've had some really cool connections. I've found like music managers and like bass guitarists, collaborators and like music producers. And I don't know what, you know, what dimension the world is and like the algorithm works. But I mean, if you do put yourself out there, it can be rewarding if you're, if you're like, yeah, putting yourself out there, connecting with people, not being afraid to introduce yourself to someone you respect. Um, and I don't know. And then also, yeah, I've been self-conscious about sharing like my life at times, like going into nature and, and just meditating or like the ways I like to live an alternative lifestyle. But then I realized that, you know, if people are seeing me in nature and they're like jealous or they're like, oh, like that's cool. I can never do that. Maybe at least they're thinking like, should I take more time to get into a park or like, you know, dance in the middle of the street? So yeah, there's, mm-hmm. there's wonders of it. And I think it's just, I don't know. Have you guys read the book Siddhartha? Yeah, uh, by Hesse. Yeah, you know, it's just that like I I relate a lot to social media and like when when Siddhartha was getting into the market and like and started to become this like gambler. And as at first, it's like, oh, you know, I still have my principles. I kind of like know how to manage this. I'm just kind of experiencing. I'm playing with like what everyone else does, you know. But then you kind of get it's it it loops you in. And then like, you kind of can lose sense of your foundation. So everyone says like, have a healthy relationship with social media, you know, just post, don't really consume as much, blah, blah, blah. Like, don't take it too seriously. But there's a, there's a powerful force in there that's also trying to throw you off your center and your balance, you know? Um, and uh, I'm, I can't even speak to that because I've been looking at it. Like when I, I used to always meditate when I woke up and lately, as the weather's getting colder here, I've been like looking at my phone and like things like that. And <laughs> I'm caught, I'm caught in the whirlpool at the moment. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, I think we all are. <laughs> no, I, I think we can all relate to that. I think, uh, I don't, I don't know really. I think with social media, it's like, I, I don't really know if there's a sidelines anymore. I mean, I think we're all engaged in it. I, I, I don't know that we can just be spectators because even, yeah the the spectating is a part of the system it's you're now a like for somebody else you're now a dislike for somebody else i mean it's hard to really i think maintain a kind of you know i'll just observe kind of i I don't i don't know how long-term a solution that really is i think it inevitably ends up pulling you in more than you would like it to by design yeah especially well the thing is i mean a lot of my friends who are like lawyers and doctors and stuff like they don't need it as much you know they're it's easy for them to not maybe they're they're on it a lot i don't know they're not worrying about 
if people like their selfie at a restaurant, you know, it's, it's like different, but for artists mm -hmm. and people that are entrepreneurs or creating things, right? interesting dichotomy of like, those are often the people that don't want to be on their phone all day, but right. yet it's like somehow they have to be because they're yeah, trying they to introduce to. something unique to the world and like, right. yeah, like what you're doing. That's a really good dissection of that actually. I think mean, that was really well said. Thanks. I think the rooster agrees. <laughs> I think it, I think it's the tea that you're drinking versus the uh, the uh, coffee that Joe and I are 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 drinking. Uh, Joe, let me ask you this: Did you have any other questions for Luca, kind of as the artist, or did you want to dive into the uh, music review? Uh, I'm sure some more will unearth as we go, but I think uh, once you tease the music video. So, Luca, as I'm, as I'm sure you know, as an avid fan of the show, we do have our official Roses and Rhetoric musical correspondent who uh, put a little piece together, a little, not really a review, more of a, more of a, uh, a tasting, if you will, of, of the single uh, Hazy Dream. So, Joe, I, let's go ahead and share that and get Luca's feedback on it. Okay. Um, my internet connection has been a little unstable, so if it goes out, just let me know. Um, but here's the review, or here's the tasting. Um, when it comes to the matters of the head and heart, I've found that the heart almost always wins. That brings us to this week's music review of the track Hazy Dreams by Luca James. Hazy Dreams is a bright and wistful song about preserving the passion of a waning romance while dreaming. Luca's voice is soft and subtle. His la he layers his, his voice and uses distortion to create a semi-lucid, hallucinatory feeling. The drums are reminiscent of a sleeping heartbeat. The rest of the instrumentation creates a sense of ambivalence. The acoustic guitar and synthesizers give the warm and incitement of a passionate affair, while the strings and fender roads evoke the cold yearning of a lost love. Overall, Hazy Dreams is plush and ethereal. For the best listening experience, I'd recommend listening to Hazy Dreams early in the morning with a cup of Joe before reality sets in. And I can attest to that because that essentially was my morning this morning. As it was mine as well. So what do you think, Luca? Wow. You I'm very touched. I'm very touched. This is like the second beautiful review I had this week. I, also, there was one in Zune magazine, which was a big surprise. And likewise, it it it's scary putting stuff out. And then uh, it's interesting having people dissect it, and then they kind of see it for even more than like. I mean, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, I did mean to do that. Yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, the Fender Roads, yeah. Um, no, that's so beautiful. Wow, I like. Yeah, I'm having a moment with that. It's very. Um, it felt like a serenade of words. And, you know, it's been like two years of really hard work on all these songs that I've been doing and even collaborating with Tyler on them um, in New Mexico. And just like a lot of sleepless, restless nights, a lot of like doubt, confusion, a lot of pain that I put away kind of resurfacing to create the art. Um, and then hearing, yeah, like hearing other people be able to go into that dream space and to have a moment, you know, we're like so alone sometimes in this world. And I think art is beautiful because it's like for a moment we could actually share like a conscious 
platform or like a subconscious platform and feel actually like a collective unconsciousness. Um, and hearing that it's like, ah, it feels very validating. Um, I love it. Yeah. Well, I thought we might kind of split talking this, the, the song up into maybe two parts, one kind of more on the lyrics, but then the second for people who don't know who are listening to the show, there's a beautiful music video that goes with the song. Uh, it's on YouTube, Hazy Dreams. We'll post it below the video, but you'll be able to find it really easily. I mean, the the video in and of itself, the cinematography was spectacular, actually. Um, so I guess, tell, tell us a little bit about the, the history of the song. You say in the video description that yourself and the other kind of main character, the music video, the, uh, the woman in the video, actually know each other outside of just that artistic space. You guys actually have a relationship of sorts. I don't want to give too much away, but if you maybe could give a little bit of kind of the, the, the history and inspiration for the song, and then maybe we can go into some of the lyrics uh, of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. I just put these flowers. I'm just, I'm a cinematographer okay. also. So I'm like constantly thinking, I'm like, okay, we got the rule of thirds here. We got this plant. Um, bottles fitting. Now we're getting into the music video and stuff. Maybe here. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, where do I start? I mean, the song is, you know, like there's a lot of breakup songs, there's a lot of love songs, but are there the in-betweens, you know? Like, and I think a lot of modern romance is very complicated and like the way technology is exponentially evolving at a pace that is, you know, rapid and like hard to even grasp. So is romance in a lot of ways, you know? Like how we relate to each other and like open relationships and polyamory and, Things like, I mean, in New York, it's like, oh, you know, like you have to like even like ask. It's like, oh, you have a boyfriend. Like, are you open? You know, like whatever. It's like <laughs> everything is confusing and it's not, I think it's beautiful. It's, you know, we're evolving how we see gender. We're evolving how we see race. We're evolving how we see relationships. We're evolving how we see economics. Um, it's amazing. And I, but I think for me in this song, is like I wanted to create like a nuanced romantic song that is the in-between, which is like a breakup, but also like, yeah, it was like not, it was a complicated breakup, you know, it was like still a lot of love, knowing you have to let go, but like being stubborn, you know, like a baby almost about like, you know, everyone says like, yeah, just let go. Like everything has changed. Change is the only constant. And you're like, no, like screw that. Like, right. I'm going to immortalize this. Like I'm going to fight the rules of gravity. You know, I'm gonna, it's, it's a song that's trying to defy the rules and I, like, and I think the rule for change is like, everything has changed, you know? And you're like, no, like I'm gonna be frozen in time. And like, I'm gonna hang on to this thought and I'm gonna like not let go. Um, and I don't know if it's better or for worse, but I'm sure other people go through that. You know, it's not, the song isn't self-help. The song is kind of like my own, it's the opposite. Right. It's like self-destruction and it's like, <laughs> here, I'm doing it the wrong way, but like, listen to it, you know, like, yeah, um, yeah. And then um, the music video, yeah, the music video is a lot of fun to create. The music video is, so the song is one part of my life and then the music video is a whole new part of my life, um, which is a real relationship I have with Morgana Van Peebles, um, who's an actress and director, comes from an amazing uh, filmmaking family. And um, she, we were like heating up a beautiful romance and then the pandemic hit. And then it was kind of like, 
probably not going to ever see you again vibes. And uh, it was pretty hard for me. And then I kept trying to like entice her to come. She was in California. I was in Ithaca. I kept trying to get her to come over and at least spend like three more days. You know, I was like, we just need to like end it on a good note because we were about right. to become like boyfriend and girlfriend. And then it's just like, oh, I was like, wait, we have to just like in person say goodbye, you know? And uh, that's also what the song is about. It's like not feeling like the, this new relationship was ready to let go of and like trying to fight through a pandemic to make it exist. And uh, it was challenging. And she ended up taking that leap of faith and driving across the country and coming up to Ithaca, New York, where I was living. And uh, she brought her Super 8 camera and filmed like a lot of really beautiful moments of us just like exploring nature and exploring each other, exploring you know, this dream state of like a budding romance. And I'm so grateful that it's captured on film, you know, like real film because it feels very, yeah. When people have responded to it in beautiful ways because they are seeing like a fully authentic relationship blossom. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's a really cool use of Super 8. And then, and then the film didn't fully make sense till I looked at it a year later and I was like, okay, I gotta put the music video together. And then we decided to film the end scenes um, is the present where I'm a little bit more disheveled and my hair has grown and it's like, actually I'm watching this budding romance um, and the film is my memories. Um, and then I'm, I'm like fighting to like relive that. And it actually, the, the, the dual medium actually came out really beautiful. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize that that was shot in Super 8. That's, that's dope. And you're right, as you say, like it did create that super authentic feel. Like it's a, uh, you know, a lot of music videos are staged and whatnot, but um, I think having that Super 8 compounded with just the authenticity of the of the relationship really, really just knocked it out of the park for that one. I mean, it was an awesome video, and hmm. I'm glad you released it. Thank you, man. Yeah, means a lot. Means a lot. I edited it and like filmed a lot of it, and you know, the budget was like way under what anyone said I could do it for. So. I'm happy people are responding to it in a positive way because it's real. Did it was, you do the, yeah, did you do the video editing for it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had some help at a friend at the last, at the very end, my friend kind of just like took a day, like a half day to like move some stuff and make it a little bit more dynamic. But yeah, I did the editing for it. A lot of the directing, um, yeah. Okay. And um, before Jimmy gets into the lyrics here, um, I just have one question because it keeps coming up. Uh, the Ro Rhodes piano or the Fender Rhodes. Can you, can you explain <laughs> what that is to me? <laughs> yeah. I mean, Tyler would be even better, but um, Tyler and I share a passion for like, not just like computer digital sounds and um, every, there's like millions of sound libraries and like patches and everything. And, was really cool about yeah it's one of the reasons that I, I i took the leap and i went i drove like 16 hours to new mexico to see tyler and his like little cabin he found on craigslist um yeah. because we both shared this idea of like creating sound that felt the same way super eight is like a tangible beauty um is how i feel about like the fender roads and the Wurlitzer keys um they're basically like vintage keyboards like analog keyboards um pianos um that have a really beautiful sound and a lot of people don't use them as much if you're doing the recording in your bedroom because they're like really they're expensive they're hard to upkeep and they're really heavy to move so people much rather just have like a little midi keyboard that you know you can get very similar sounds to um 
but I have been getting a lot of beautiful responses because people still with all the digital advancements, people still feel the, the Fender Rhodes and they still feel the actual like guitar and like how we're not just like doing it in post, but we're, you know, putting it through pedals and then like miking the amps and stuff or like putting it through a different preamp and a lot of the sounds and then, you know, like different mixing people will be like, oh, it's kind of harder now because I can't just like quantize it as easily, like match up the timing. Um, but I, yeah, you get this imperfect kind of cathartic, catharsis, which both Tyler and I really love. Well, so actually I had a question in here that I was going to ask later on, but it ties perfectly into what you were just talking about. And I kind of wanted to talk about the technology that you employed in the cinematography and you touched on basically what I wanted to ask about, which was the equipment that you guys use. And I thought, let me just ask you this too. Was there, was there a moment when you were working on either the recording, the editing, maybe even the actual, you know, performing where there was a, a, an idea for a technology that you wanted that didn't exist? Was there, was there any kind of technology that you found yourself thinking, oh, if I only had X, Y, Z, I could do this thing much better. Did that come about when you were doing, uh, doing this video or even just the, the song itself? Uh technology hmm i think it's more like old stuff you know like tyler had this like tape like a tape delay like an analog tape delay and that was just really cool because it's like what we were talking about at the beginning with creativity sometimes when you have the world of creative tools at your hands if you gave me fifty thousand colors to paint with i'm just gonna be like all right too much uh, okay <laughs> If you give me like one color, you know, I, I like, I'm just like, yeah, one color. And so I think pra parameters is another, I didn't think we mentioned this, but like having creative parameters, giving yourself like limitations. Like I can only paint with like, you know, one finger or whatever. And, and I think with music, it's cool to use the analog stuff because you have limitations to it. And uh, so I really loved using that like analog tape delay. I really loved using like the electric guitars and some of the, the things. I mean, yeah, it was nice to have like a DAW like with logic and different different things but no i mean I, I can't say like more technology i think just like it's cool to just give yourself like a, a set amount of things you can use and that's a great yeah. answer i like that quite i like that quite a bit actually yeah avoid the uh the, the, the decision fatigue yes i get yeah. that all the time <laughs> totally i only go to the same coffee shop now in brooklyn is that I, where you I get my cup from? of coffee. I get my <laughs> cup of coffee. I walk there. I come back. I do my work. We're all about repetition here on episode number 55. Of <laughs> oh, very good. Uh, no, I'll give it back to you. I think you have one coming up. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just more interested in uh, getting to the lyrics now. Mm. Uh, I think that's a, a big part of Are you of it sure well. you want to dive into the lyrics? Always, always. We actually okay, love yeah. diving into lyrics. For people right, I love that. I love that. Yeah. For people that, that saw our show with, we're talking about Tyler, but people know him on the show probably as Miss Abysmal. We had a lot of fun talking with him about his lyrics. And, um, you know, I, I always love kind of unpacking the metaphors. I love that. Um, let's start. I'm going to try not try not to put words in your mouth. I'm, I'm going to make it what, what I think is a fair assessment of the word hazy and hazy dreams that you used to, to describe this, that... The fact that it's hazy, I think the, the, the listener is permitted to, to imagine the singer is 
perhaps not just remembering, but maybe romanticizing the past a bit as well. And that it's hazy because they're adding in some detail. Is it, is it fair to assume that the singer is maybe remembering things better than they really were, or is that going too far? Yeah. I mean, I like that interpretation a lot. Um, you know, I think the song had that more of that interpretation when it started. And now I have a new interpretation for hazy dreams, which I like. And that is that we, you know, our, the American capitalistic culture, whatever, it's like, we grow up and they're like, dream, 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 you know, you go around the world, like a lot of people aren't asked that constantly. People are like, you know, hustling in a different way. But um, we're so much about like, what do you dream to be? What is your dreams to grow up? You know, how do you dream to change the country, the world? And, uh, and I realized like my life dreams haven't been always clear, you know, and like, I don't always know what I want. And I don't always, and I think there's this pressure to like, go for your dream and go for it, kid. And, and the same way that my life has been a hazy dream, it's been like, I have a dream, but I have a lot of doubt with it. I'm unsure about it. It's the same way with a lot of romances. It's like, wow, I love this person, but like, is there, are they the right one? Am I like doing good by them? And so it's a lot about this, like, yes, this idea of like, you set this, you have this dream, this beautiful thing, but it's, it's not perfect. You know, it's not clear. It's not like every day I wake up and I'm like, I'm going to be a singer star. Like, it's going to be great. And I'm going to sing on America. Oh, everyone's going to cry. I'm going to cry. And there's going to be fireworks and confetti. And it's like, no, my dreams are like diluted. And the haze is kind of like <laughs> moving through the haze to kind of find like, okay, I see where I'm going. And then the haze comes back and you're lost. And you're like, wait, <laughs> where's, the, where's, the, where's my North Star? And then you, it comes again and you're like, oh, that way. So that's kind of how I interpret it now. So where would you uh, where where would you say your north star has been recently? It's Rose's rhetoric podcast, obviously, yeah. right? <laughs> there you go. The voice of reason. <laughs> yeah, Mike Tyson. <laughs> um, yeah, my north stars is is finding the love for what I do because like it's. You know, a lot of people have been like, "Oh, like you've released your song. Everyone's like, a bunch of people are listening to it. And, oh my gosh, you're like, you must be so happy." And I actually was pretty sad when I released it, and I was like stressed, and it felt like I could be doing a lot more to get it out there, and I felt like I wasn't doing enough. And I was like, well, "What is this next? Like, I should be doing bigger shows." And like, I didn't really take a moment to feel like the dream and the or the North Star. So I think that now the North Star is the moment, and just enjoying the process and not just being so caught up on the dream and just being like, I'm living the dream. I don't know. Let me, so I, I actually, this song came to me at a very, uh, you know, kind of interesting time in my life. Joe and I just finished maybe a few months ago now talking about a book called the beginning of infinity. Um, it seems like probably every episode I bring it up. Um, it's, it's, it's given me quite a lot to think about with regards to how humans place themselves in, in, in the present, past, and future. And I was listening to your song, and I, and I had this idea that the past is the place the imagination goes when it wants to be free of any responsibility. And if we imagine about the future, there's always a chance that there might come a point when we have to act upon our imagination. But if we limit our imagination to the past, we are divorced of any responsibility because it will never come true. The past has already happened. Mm. When you found yourself or when the, when the author of the song found themselves remembering the past, was it a way to avoid thinking about the future? Mm. Damn. 
Good question. Yeah, I think I live a lot in nostalgia, you know, and uh, maybe, maybe it is a way to, uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's something that I got to like sleep with and sit on, to be honest. It's uh, have a hazy dream about it and then come back. Yeah, have a hazy dream about it. Have a hazy dream about it. We'll do a follow up. But um, I think that what I think about when I hear that is, again, our theme today has really been about creative innovation and writer's block and and that what you said a lot of people that i've spoken to in the creative world that's another innovation is they're like well i wish i picked up guitar when i was 14 you know i did for a month and then i got distracted and now it's too late and i think that's something that i'm interested that i have it a lot you know people i'm like a a vocalist and they're like you know that would have been great if you did it when you were like 16 like harry styles and i'm like when i was 16 i was like you know like skateboarding and playing video i i wasn't ready for that and right, like everyone, right. has their, yeah. everyone has their own timing you know and i think that is i relate to that in terms of like it's easy to look back on your life and to give it a, be give it an excuse for why you're not doing following the dream and the thing you want to do but if you just start playing guitar tomorrow you know like there was this like actress i think in the black panther movie who was like 90 or like 88 and it was like their first acting role and then they got into Black Panther and they were part of the biggest movie of all time. And they right. had like, you know, and it's just like, you never know. Like, you never know. There's not a linear time scale, I think, of like when you can and can't do things. And that is a, a limiting belief that, that I think we can get mm-hmm. past. Yeah, never too late. Yeah, I thought there's a really good quote. There's a good documentary about jujitsu on uh, YouTube. And I remember at one point, there's a person and he's a, uh, he's a, in an, instructor and he's talking to a potential client and the client goes oh you know i'm uh, i'm already 40 years old and if i if i start now i won't become a black belt until i'm 50 and the guy goes well in 10 years you're going to be 50 no matter what you want to have a black belt or not like we're not going to stop time you know with yeah. this idea of oh i won't be great until i'm older well you're going to be older anyways you fucking retard like do you want to be great when you're older or do you want to be you know do you want to be who you are now when you're older i mean yeah. i i really like that a lot about that actress because why would you why would you use the idea that you're old to uh, as an excuse to improve yourself? You're, you're, you're going to continue to get older no matter what you do. You can't escape that. You may as well find a way to improve yourself. So when you become older, you're a better person. <laughs> yeah. And that and that, again, it's beautiful. And it, it ties into enjoying the process. You know, it's, it's a cliche, like enjoy the journey, not the, the end place or the destination. But it's so true. And like with jujitsu, it's like, well, you're going to have 10 years of like, doing this like building new neural pathways and like moving your body and like and just like getting out and like being in community and like great you might have a black belt in 10 years but like the it's not about that like the me and like that's what i'm trying to find now with music it's like not about me having a platinum record it's about me like loving to play music because it heals right. me. yeah enjoying every day of the time period that you eventually get to yeah yeah um, you, you mentioned uh, living in community. Uh, this is something that I've been looking at recently and how powerful a community can be. I mean, just specifically, for example, I was at a music festival this last weekend and just the, the how the vibe changes, how time kind of slows down, how things kind of just change in general um, when you're living like in a community, like amongst other people rather than just being alone in your house or something. Um, I mean, it sounds like you've probably lived in communities like that before. Do you think that those add to your creative process or you think it just kind of depends on the person? 
um, whether or not that's advantageous for them or helpful for the, their mental state. Yeah, I think the idea of a village and community is another thing intrinsic to being a human. It's, um, mm -hmm. I don't know if like before 1940s or 50, you know, before World War II, like who didn't live in a community of some sorts? Um, it's not this idea of like hippies, it's not like a new concept, like hippies living in a commune or whatever. It's like, oh, community, that word is invented after the 50s. It's like, no, I think community is really important. It, it, it gives you a sense of purpose. It, it gives you a sense of like my brother and sister's keeper, my neighbor's keeper. I'm gonna look out for someone other than myself. Um, it doesn't have to be just people you're living with. It could be a global community if you have that. But I know for me, I love living in community. That's one of the things that we're, we have in Brooklyn. We have a community house. Um, and it's not like such a crazy idea. It's not like we're all living, like running around naked or anything. It's like, it's like simple things. Just like, well, I'm out. Yeah. I mean, we have that. I, I got you. Like I know the, yeah, the naked yeah. community for yeah. you. Find me, find me in the DM. Yeah. That's, that's fine. Yeah. I'll DM you the naked yeah, yeah, yeah. Um But yeah, like, it's just like, man, I'm such a proponent of it. I know I need it in my life. I love, I love when I'm having a bad day, like someone kind of getting me out, going for a run. I love like being able to be inspired. If I'm playing a composition, I love seeing someone like make an architectural piece and then being like, oh, wow. Like it just helps me get out of my personal narrative. And, and I'm not, I can't carry the world on my shoulder. I can't carry my mental health on my shoulders by myself. I can't carry my career on by myself. And so it's nice to kind of like help out someone else's career and, and help out someone else's day and then also feel the same for yourself. And I think a lot of our generation is, is, is seeing that, you know, there it's like, they see this idea of like isolation and more like micro, yeah, like more Netflix, more social media, you know, like all that stuff. And Instacart. Like, it's kind of this breaking free of that and being like, whoa, like I just want to like go to Joe's house or whatever and like, I want to like do a potluck dinner and just like, right. Phone, like talk and like, whatever. I think that's absolutely true. And I think every one of my friends, including myself has expressed that feeling of like, it'd be nice to go somewhere and not have to, you know, not have it be in the context of something else, like yeah. a business meeting, or it's like, yeah. why can't I be with someone else? It has to be in the, in the context of something else that in a way kind of degrades it. Um, I, I think that that's, that's, you know, one of the benefits growing up, I have was I lived in a neighborhood and that was very much that idea that you knew your neighbors and neighbors knew you and we all were friends and got along. And I, I've, I feel that a lot of my friends or people that I know even don't want to have that experience. And I think it does, you know, take something away. It, it turns you into kind of a very narrow person because you don't have other people to kind of balance you out. So I, I agree with that quite a bit, actually. Hmm. Totally. Yeah. I mean, it's sad in New York, we've lost a lot of that. And I think we're trying to, as like a lot of New Yorkers are trying to, create things to refine that let me let me ask you this question luke and it's, it's really two but i think maybe they're, they're kind of related and it has to, to, to deal with this idea so you write the song you perform the song and then I, I imagine the music video and the kind of the idea for it came came after the song was already completed and it, it has to deal with the idea that artists and audiences interrelate with regards to interpretation when you, when you make a music video, when you decide to put a definite visual form to a musical composition, do you fear that you are putting too narrow an interpretation on your musical work to the audience? Yeah, 100%. Um, 
that's something I struggled with. I was going to release the music video and the song the same day. And then I, people were like, no, you shouldn't do that. And I was like, why? I don't want to spam people. Like one day, here's my art. Bye. You know, I kind of had that approach. I was like, in and out, <laughs> in and out, you know, like, okay. then let's go on to like me posting my cat, like whatever. Um, but people were like, no, you got to give people at least a week to like visually see it. And I think that's what's beautiful about like reading a book, you know, instead of watching a movie, it's like you're interpreting a, a data point and then you're creating this whole imagination. And I think music does that for me too. You know, and it could throw me off, you know, if I hear like a Bonnie Bear song and then I see like a visual and then I'm like, I'm like, oh, no, I was picturing something completely different. Right. Fine, you know, it, yeah. I think that's the beauty of art and something we all have to be careful of trying to like grab attention and, and, and fit into niches and fit into genres and everything. It's like allowing more space for interpretation and, and room and. And I'm, I'm happy because you, the feedback, you, the reviews you saved me and then also the review in Zune Magazine was similar to that. They said like, I offered a lot of subtleties and like, it was like my voice was soft and like, there's a lot of space. And, and it's hard because when I first released a song, I was like, oh, I should have made like a freaking like house track, you know, like a tropical, you know, I'm like, there's this desire to want to be liked and like fit into what people are listening to at the gym or whatever. You're like, no, it's like, damn, there's no genre for this. This isn't genre specific at all. Like no one's going to know how to listen to this. You know, like I love how you said, like have a cup before a cup of coffee, you know, that's, that's perfect. I, we need to create a new genre, like the, the post dream pre coffee genre. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think like giving space to your art is so important. And that's the art that I digest, you know, cause it's, it should be collaborative with your, the viewer and the artist's imagination. Well, and so in kind of the follow-up to that question, and you actually kind of already alluded to it earlier, but I was really interested, you know, it, the idea that after you made your song, so you, you made your song, you kind of had this idea of what the song meant, but then as you spent more time with it, and in particular, when you made the video, you began to understand the song in a different way, that kind of your understanding of the, the video changed and you kind of knew how to end it. To me, that was really interesting because it just it, it brings again this notion that art is really about discovery and that even an artist is, is engaged in that process of discovery as well, that they're kind of finding out things about what, what they themselves created. I thought that was really an interesting point that you made earlier on. Yeah, totally. It's uh yeah, it's a total, it's an organism that you put out there and it's not, it's living, you know, like anything that's living, if it's like a a mycelium or a plant you know it, it's it's not artificial and that's the cool thing about art it is is definitely it's going to live in different ways like i just released a dance video of like everybody who danced and moved to the to the song and they were like sending me these videos and i was like i didn't expect this to be have a dance moment but they were like twirling like everyone at the end it's like his dreams keep spinning and then like all these people are like spinning and i'm like oh cool like i you know i thought that'd be like more than like crying with like tissues you know like right. and it's like no like this is fun you know I'm like, oh, great like that's that's how it lives and i've been yeah i think that's cool about art it's like and that's again creative innovation all that stuff it's like create something you don't know how it's gonna evolve like how people will take it and it's it's not about you it's not like your creation it's like something is passing through you yeah. You are this like schema or whatever to put it out. It's like filter. Filter. Yeah. It's like a filter. Like it's, it's not about you. It's like, I don't know. The best creativity books really reiterate that often. Like it's like you are, you are just a filter for the muse. 
Joe, we'll give it back to you. I asked two in a row. I saw. Oh no, I'm just I'm I'm, I'm soaking that in. Um, I love that concept of how it's it's a it's alive. It's like once you put it out there, it's who knows what direction it's going to turn. I mean, I think we've experienced that with our show. Um, you know, the reception isn't always what we intended it to be, but a lot of times it's even better than what we wanted it to be. So I I definitely agree with that. Um, Luca, I know you're uh, we're probably running a little short on time here. Um, did you have any uh, any questions for us, or Jim? Did you have any more questions for Luca? Well, I, I think you know we can't talk about a song called "Hazy Dream" without talking about sleep hygiene. I mean, Luca, how important are eight hours to you, and uh, what do you do to ensure that you get? <laughs> oh, I don't sleep. Oh, even better, just why your dreams are so hazy, my friend. I never slept ever. Um, no, I sleep too much. Honestly, maybe I don't know. I, I think my relationship with sleep is like, oh, I just slept like nine hours. Is that like productive? And then I'm, I'm more at a stage in my life where I'm not this idea of like, I, I don't sleep. Sleep is the cousin of death. You know, like that Nas <laughs> quote. It's like, there's a lot of this. I'm trying to see sleep not as like anti-productive, but actually like, I'm not, I'm not not living when I'm sleeping. There's like a whole, like I had a crazy dreams. I had some crazy dreams last night and I don't even know, like, where does that come from? It's so refreshing to have a dream that's just like, that idea was nuts. Like, I never I agree, thought about actually. that, you know? Like, yeah, I, I agree. Sleep, sleep has been one thing, and Joe can attest to this, that I essentially put no value on in college. <laughs> and uh, probably, why I'm, probably why I'm so short. I never had my college year growth spurt. But um, <laughs> I, think, I think as I've gotten older, uh, finding, finding sleep more valuable and more enjoyable has uh, been, you know, definitely part of growing up for me as well. Well, plus once you get a good night's sleep, it just makes like the daylight hours where you are awake, like that much more enjoyable. Like yeah. there's, there's nothing worse than just being sleep deprived and just being yeah. you know, forcing yourself to have to stay awake for something. Like that's yeah. the well, what what does prefer uh, a hazy dream to a hazy day? You know, I, I think I speak for all of us. When there I think. Go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a great product placement. Thanks. Yes. Yes. Well, yeah. Joe, anything else? Use that. Did you have any other questions or then, and Luca, of course, you know, whatever, whatever you wanted to cover as well. That was all my stuff. Those are my last two. I think that was, a, I really did enjoy the song. I listened to it a number of times and I thought it was uh, just completely fantastic. Thank you. It's, it's the beginning. Yeah. Like for everyone, please, uh, if any listeners of the show, like let's keep building community. Um, you could follow me on Instagram, Luca James underscore, uh, Luca with a K and, uh, why follow me or why be part of this journey that's you know not just to digest the art but also i love like you know if you ever have feedback on music or if you want to be part of our singing communities that are both going to be on the west coast and the east coast if you want to like explore you know opening up those creative channels um also just have a lot of fun videos i'm a filmmaker so it's you're gonna see stuff that is weird and like that you probably never seen before like it's only the i have four more songs coming out um through the spring uh, starting January 7th and I have a new a little film I did and in, in, that I'm going to release in November so it's just a lot of funky art I'm just trying to get into that you know the same way with creativity I'm just trying to release things that I think are, are beautiful and uh, so that's the journey that I'll be on and hopefully touring and playing live shows in April and onward through the summer um, but I guess my question for you guys is um, 
What do you think, like, what do you think the biggest, the biggest, um, what nourishes your creativity? What blossoms your creativity? I mean, sorry, sorry, sorry. What blossoms your curiosity? Ah, curiosity. Uh, The unknown. The unknown. Yeah, I think I think all value lies in discovery. That would be how I would phrase it. Yeah, I would say, I would say that just the act of finding something that's engaging to me, because I know that when I'm in a position where something's engaging to me, that's the place I'm at where I'm going to be producing my best work, my highest quality product, if you will. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's almost just a chase of just finding these like zen areas where i can just reach a flow state um but it's kind of like contradictory because once you start looking for something you can't really find it like once you start like trying to get yourself in a flow state it never really comes Mm -hmm. so it's just an interesting kind of dichotomy of just finding yourself in these positions without really finding the position i don't know if that made sense but no that (laughs) is really interesting this idea that the flow state it is it is just like it's this almost unattainable. It's this like thing that's, it's almost like a lucid dream. It's like, yeah. there's things you can do. Then there's like books that tell you how to get there, but it's still very uh, evasive, you know? And sometimes when you're in the flow state, you're like, oh my God, I'm in the flow state. Oh my gosh, this is it. And then you're out of the flow state, you know? <laughs> it goes away. <laughs> yeah. So that yearning to be in everything, you know, that the, the flow state again, and like to yearn to be in the flow state, it's like, you're out of the flow. You're like, you're desiring to be in this thing, you know? I don't know. It's, life is complicated. I think that's what we Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That is true. No, I thought that was, that's a great question and uh, something good to, to end on. Uh, we're talking today with Luca James. And yes, follow him on Instagram and then check out his song, Hazy Dreams. It's on Spotify. It's on YouTube. There's a music video. There's a music video with lyrics, which I always like. I always like oh, to make yeah. sure I'm hearing the words the right way. Um, it was a beautiful song and, and of course, beautiful cinematography as well. So really just hats off to you and your team for putting that together. It was really just remarkable. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And I, I just want to say, like, I think this was an awesome interview and um, or discussion that we had today. And it's like discussions like this always kind of set me up for the weekend. You know, like I kind of get like a good rush that rides me at least through the end of the day, if not through tomorrow. So mm. thank you for that, Luca. Yeah, I feel the same way. Like having a conversation like this, hearing your perspective, it makes the art worth it, you know? Like it, it's, it's the most important part. It's like, yeah, to be able to have a conversation like this and just like go deeper and, and, and art to expand curiosity. Like I'm, I'm so grateful for these moments like this. So thank you too for doing what you do. Hey, we are here for the fans. Uh, thank you for joining us, everybody. Be sure to follow Luca on Instagram. I'm and also follow. <laughs> very good, very good. Be sure to follow us as well. We are at roses at underscore rhetoric. And of course, follow Joe as well at Jose for underscores square vote. Until next time, I'm Jimmy Hackett signing off for Joseph Stanford and today's guest, Luca James, saying ciao. <laughs>